Well, we're going to turn in the scriptures to the book of Zechariah. The book of Zechariah. And chapter 9. The church Bible is page 939. Hopefully, if you've got the same church Bible as I do here. I think there are a couple which are slightly different. But I think page 939, Zechariah and chapter 9. Zechariah is one of those prophets who comes after the captivity of Israel and uh, is much closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, his incarnation. And uh, so we are reading here in the ninth chapter these words, beginning at verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord in the land of Hadrach. And Damascus shall be the rest thereof, when the eyes of of man as of all the tribes of Israel, shall be toward the Lord. And Hamath also shall border thereby, Tyrus and Zidon, though it be very wise. And Tyrus did build herself a stronghold, and heaped up silver as the dust, and fine gold as the mire of the streets. Behold, the Lord will cast her out, and he will smite her power in the sea, and she shall be devoured with fire. Ashkelon shall see it and fear. Gaza also shall see it and be very sorrowful. And Ekron, for her expectation shall be ashamed. The king shall perish from Gaza. And Ashkelon shall not be inhabited. And a bastard shall dwell in Ashdod. And I will cut off the pride of the Philistines. And I will take away his blood out of his mouth and his abominations from between his teeth. But he that remaineth, even he, shall be for our God. And he shall be as a governor in Judah, and Ekron as a Jebusite. And I will encamp about mine house because of the army, because of him that passeth by, and because of him that returneth. And no oppressor shall pass through them any more, for now have I seen with mine eyes. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just. And having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from the river even to the ends of the earth. As for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. When I have bent Judah for me, filled the bow with Ephraim, and raised up thy sons, O Zion, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee as the sword of a mighty man. The Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning And the Lord God shall blow the trumpet and shall go with whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts shall defend them, and they shall devour and subdue with sling stones. They shall drink and make a noise as through wine, and they shall be filled like bowls and as the corners of the altar. The Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people. For they shall be as the stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign upon his land. For how great is his goodness, and how great is his beauty. Corn shall make the young men cheerful, and new wine the maids. Amen. Let's ask the Lord's help. We consider this portion together. Our Father, 
We come before you again, once again this morning. We pray for your help now. As we consider the words of Scripture, as we consider the prophecy here of Zechariah, as we consider the Lord Jesus Christ, who came as according to that prophecy and gave such clear signs as to who he was and what he came to do. Lord, we pray that each one might know the Saviour as their Saviour. Lord, that we might know the salvation of God and the blessing of your presence. Hear us then, we ask and continue with us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a very important uh, verse here, of course, which is taken up, and it's found in all four of the Gospels. There are not many verses, actually, or many uh, occasions which are recorded in all four Gospels. Uh, but this time there is that uh, which is recorded, and that is from verse 9. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, he is just, and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Uh, four times in the four Gospels we are reminded of this particular uh, prophecy of Zechariah. Uh, because the Lord Jesus sent his disciples into uh, the, the town that he might get for him uh, an ass, uh, that the ass which should be brought and that the, he would be uh, come in upon that ass. There, there was a clear sign there as the Lord Jesus did just that. So I want to consider this portion as we are pointed to it. Uh, next week is Easter, of course, where we remember the, uh, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross and his resurrection on the third day. And the week before, uh, normally we remember the entry, the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus into Jerusalem. And that triumphal entry is here uh, before prophesied that the Lord Jesus would come and he would come or the Messiah would come and that he would come seated upon an ass, upon a colt, uh, and that he would come in in such a way. And the people gathered together and they cried, Hosanna, uh, blessed be the, the, the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. As they recognized what was going on here because they had seen so much of what Jesus had done already. They had seen the, the, the miracles which he had done, the uh, healing of those that were sick, uh, the raising even of the dead. They had heard the stories of the Lord Jesus. They had seen and heard so often the, the uh, parables which he had told when so many people came out and gathered around the Lord Jesus to hear what he had to say to them. And now as he comes toward Jerusalem for this final time, where he is going and to set his face toward Jerusalem because there he will die upon the cross of Calvary and there the work of redemption, the work of salvation will be accomplished. As he comes there, he does so in this pre-told manner, riding upon an ass, upon a colt, the fold of an ass. This is a Hebraism, it's a parallelism. And in Hebrew, so often the the, the uh, poetry of, of Hebrew in Hebrew is that things are repeated and they're repeated in a slightly different way. Uh, some have said, well, surely Jesus couldn't ride upon an ass and upon a colt the foal of an ass. And in Matthew, Matthew writing to the Jews actually quotes the verse and then in some way uh, it, is, uh, it has been written that he rode upon them both. But uh, this is a Hebraism. I think that perhaps when Matthew was translated into Greek, from Hebrew, because it's reckoned that Matthew was written in Hebrew and then translated to Greek, that the translators uh, thought, well, it, it, this can't quite be right. He must have written on both of these then, and that's the way that they've translated it into Greek. Of course, we don't have a Hebrew original, so we can't say that for sure. 
But this is the way it was quoted in Matthew's Gospel. So I want to think about this uh, portion of scripture and and just look at a a number of things here. First of all, we are told to rejoice. In verse 9, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt the foal of an ass. Rejoicing. And surely at this time as we uh, come up to what we term Good Friday, even though it was the time when Jesus died, it was the time when he was taken by wicked hands, nailed to a cross with a fat crown of thorns pressed into his head, and he would die there amongst the criminals. Even though that is what happened there, we call it Good Friday. Why? Because we rejoice. We rejoice because Jesus Christ died for us on that Friday. Why did he die? Well, he died because we are sinners and because when we die, we pay for our sin. And that death is followed, we read in Revelation, by a second death where we are put where we wanted to be. That is, we either want and desire to be in God's presence and we desire him and love him and we live our lives to his glory and we enter into his presence and he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord or else we prefer the world. And we're not interested in the word of God and we're not interested in the things of God. Uh, we, we are only interested so far as it may do us some uh, present good. Uh, and there are many, of course, who uh, will follow Christianity just because it will do them some good just at this moment. And that's what they want to know. They want to know, can I be healed? They want to know, will I be rich? Uh, is God going to bless everything I touch? Is, is everything going to work out for me if I'm a Christian? But there's no love for God, no desire after God. And in that day, Jesus says that we will come and there will be some who will say to him in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not preached in your name? Have we not in your name done works? And Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. You never knew me. I never knew you. You professed to be mine, but I never met you. And you never came to me, and you never confessed your sins, and you never asked me for salvation, and I don't know you. Depart from me. What a horrific scene is presented by the Lord Jesus himself to those who don't rejoice in his presence, but perhaps uh, endure it for a moment that some good might come to them in this present age. But we are called upon here to greatly rejoice because it's not just the fact that the king came. It is the fact that the king redeems, that the king saves, that the king washes away the sins which are written against us. And we see this as we continue down into verse 10. For there it says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace unto the heathen or unto the nations and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea and from the river even to the ends of the earth this was the marvelous thing this was the 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 tremendous good news that jesus brought Uh, that when he preached amongst the people it wasn't just that he uh, should preach to the jews but on his death when he died upon the cross of calvary all of a sudden the works which he had done amongst the jews because he had said himself i am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of israel but after his death and his resurrection he sent his disciples out to jerusalem to samaria 
and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And the good news is that Jesus Christ died not for just for the Jews, those uh, physical uh, descendants of Abraham and those who were connected via Israel, but to all the nations of the earth. This is a prophecy from the beginning when God first promised that, the Satan, that Satan's head would be bruised by the foot of the seed of the woman. It was to be to all the nations of the earth. And indeed, as he spoke also to Abraham himself, he said, In thy seed shall all the nations be blessed. And here is this same thing coming up again. He shall speak peace unto the heathen. This is a reconciliation. And it is by peace. We look at some uh, and they have conquered. I often think of, of Islam, for instance. And uh, Islam, all those who uh, follow after Islam, are a conquered people. They have been conquered. They have been defeated in, uh, in, uh, in, res in uh, re um, uprisings so often and in wars. And then have been held and have been indoctrinated and have been threatened with death if they depart. Th th there's no such thing here. The Lord Jesus Christ goes forth and preaches a gospel of peace. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There is no judgment of those who, who don't believe until that day when we come into his presence. And then the Lord Jesus will say, well, I never knew you. You obviously didn't want to be with me. And so you won't be with me. Those who did want to be with me and have called upon me and I have redeemed shall enter into the kingdom with me. Isaiah 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. There is a peace in Jesus Christ. Do you know that peace? Do you know the peace of God? Do you know the salvation of the Lord? Have you met with Christ? And then also in this, uh, in this portion in verse 11, we see here redemption. So rejoicing, a reconciliation, that is to bring all the nations of the earth together in Christ, but also a redemption. Verse 11, as for thee also by the blood of the covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. The pit was a place of a prison. When we read of Jeremiah, was let down into a pit and into the miry clay. Uh, he was set down, down there because he preached. So often this is the problem. We preach a gospel, a gospel of salvation, a gospel of, of forgiveness, a gospel uh, which, is, which has no uh, threat according, uh, uh, attached to it. The threat is, is, in, is in the world indeed, but there is no threat in the gospel. It is the good news that Jesus Christ saves us from our sins, and yet so often we are rejected. And as John the Baptist was cast into prison, as the apostle Paul was cast into prison, and Peter was put into prison, and again and again the, the preachers of the word are put into prison. So the thought here is of all who are in the pit. But you're all in the pit unless you know Christ. You're already in prison, chained by sin, chained to this world, chained indeed to death and a second death. And we need to be delivered. 
And here the Lord says, I have set forth thy prisoners out of the pit, wherein is no water, out, as it were, from the miry clay. We need that redemption. And the redemption is through a covenant, the blood of the covenant. God made a covenant. He made a covenant with Israel. He made a covenant that if they obeyed his law and they worked and they lived according to all that he gave them to do, then they would be saved. Which covenant, God says, ye break? The covenant was broken. As soon as God makes a covenant with men, we break it because we are not capable of keeping the law of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Apostle Paul says. There is none righteous. There is none that seeketh after God. We are altogether gone out of the way. We are sinners. So what was God to do? How could he save any of us if he was to make a covenant of salvation with us and say, do this and do that, and no one could do it? What was he to do? He made a covenant, as it were, with himself. He made a covenant between the Father and the Son. He made a covenant that if the Son would come, and he would come into this world, and he would represent humanity as a man amongst us, and if he would keep the law in every point without sin, and if he would uh, take the, the sins of his people upon himself, and if he would shed his blood for us, then God would accept that in our place. Do you know that Jesus Christ has died for you as an individual? Do you know that Christ has died for you? Not just that he died. We can all confess that and say, well, yeah, I believe that Jesus died. The Bible says so. Lots of people believe it. And, and it makes no difference to me whether he died uh, or not. And so, yeah, I, I, I accept that he died. But the question is, did he die for you? Are you covered in that covenant? Uh, are you Christ's? Because it is only Christ's who are covered in that covenant. Jesus says, Here are my Lord and the children thou hast given me. And we're the children of Christ. Will the Lord say to us in that day, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Or will he say, Depart from me, I never knew you. The redemption had to be through Jesus Christ. And it had to be by blood. Jesus shed his blood. In Hebrews, in chapter 8, we read, For finding fault with them, that is, with the people, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For well, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Again, Hebrews 13 and verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. The everlasting covenant. Are you covered by that covenant? Are you covered by the blood which was shed for Christ's people? If you are not covered by that covenant, you are not covered by that blood, then nothing else you do will make any difference to your situation.
before God in the day of judgment. And we see then this release as he brings them out of the pit. We read together from Psalm 40, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. These are the words of the psalmist. The psalmist understood, understood, even before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, he understood that he had to be lifted by the Lord, that he couldn't climb out of the pit, that he couldn't work his way out of the pit, that he couldn't, uh, with weasel words, get himself out of the pit. It needed to be God who lifted him out of the pit. And if we're not lifted out of the pit by God, we have no salvation. And if we have no salvation, nothing else we do will matter in the day of judgment. And then again, we see here a recognition. A recognition. A recognition which is given to us in these words, Thy king cometh unto thee, he is just and having salvation. Being lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt the foal of the ass was something which even the disciples didn't recognize at the time we, we read in the Gospels, but they understood it later on. But nevertheless, the sign was there, a physical, uh, an open, a visible sign that Jesus Christ was the one who was to come. But the greater point here for us in this day and age, because we can't see him coming uh, uh, along the street upon an ass, the greater point here for us is that he is just and having salvation do you recognize that salvation is of the lord salvation the psalmist says belongeth unto the lord in romans chapter 3 also we see the justice of god and the justice of god is a perfect justice god doesn't just forgive people he doesn't say well uh, i quite like you you're all right uh, i'll forgive you he doesn't do that because that's not justice that, that we might say is mercy, but it's not, it's not justice. And everything has to be just. Everything has to be weighed. Everything has to be perfectly balanced. And so we read in, in Romans chapter 3, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, that is a, a covering, a one who turns away the wrath of God through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. God is just in the fact that he took my punishment, my sins, uh, which I have committed, and the punishment which is due unto me, that I should be cast out by the presence of God, that he took that, and Jesus Christ bore that upon himself, and cried on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He forsook him because he should have forsaken me. That in order that I might not be forsaken, Christ was forsaken. This makes God both just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. My salvation is because I am trusting in Christ. Here is the recognition then, a, a very plain one here that they saw. 
the Lord Jesus Christ coming in upon this cult. The very physical because Jesus was there in their midst. But the greater thing is that Christ is the one who is just and having salvation. It is he who must be our saviour. We cannot by any means save ourselves. And finally in verse 12 we read these words. Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. What is your hope today? Is your hope that God will forgive you in that day? Is your hope as so many? Well, if there is a God, then I've not been too bad. I'm better than that person down the road. I've never killed anybody. I've not committed adultery. I've, I've lived a pretty good life. And, and your hope is that God will just forgive you? No, God can't do that. Because that is not justice. There must be justice. Jesus Christ came into the world to die for us, not just as a whim, not just because he felt like dying one day, but he died on purpose so that we could be saved. Now, if we could be saved just by God saying, oh, it's all right, forget about it. Why would Christ die? Why would he be manifest as the Son of God from heaven, in flesh, live amongst us lot, be taken, nailed to a cross, have a crown of thorns hammered upon his head, die upon a cross and be buried? Why would he do all of those things if all it required was for God to say to us, well, you've not been too bad, you can come in. Because that is not what God will say. And so the return here and the exaltation of the Lord to you today is turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Turn you to the stronghold. Christ is our stronghold. The psalmist so often in so many psalms talks about Christ as being his rock, as being his strong tower, as being his refuge, as being his stronghold. Turn you to the stronghold. You must be in Christ. Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. Not you should be born again. Not you may be born again. But ye must be born again. And there was a man to whom he said that, a man who was righteous, a Pharisee, a man who, according to all who were around him, was a man fit for heaven. A Pharisee amongst the Jews, according to the law, blameless. But Jesus says to him, not enough, not enough. You've lived your life by the word as you understood it. You've lived your life in a way which was righteous before men. But it's not enough. You must be born again. Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. And here is the exaltation then which God gives to us. And he says to you all, turn to Christ. Turn to the stronghold. There is no salvation apart from him.